WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. It's you. It's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it was really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WA. T.D. as uh, it is Halloween night. Interesting to walk into the studio and my producer George is wearing a an interesting jacket. It's a evil a, evil pumpkins. Is that what is that what it is? I call it a Halloween blazer, but yes, there's a <laughs> patterns of pumpkins that are carved in a evil smile. Are there slacks that go with that? Or is it just the jacket? I guess there is, but I didn't buy the slacks. I just went with uh, jeans because overkill, you know? George, you go all the way, you go home, pal. <laughs> well, That's just the way you do it. I can't argue with that. But uh, I do like the jacket. It does pop. Yeah, I wish viewers at home could see. I, but, uh, I was going to say, is unfortunately, radio is not, a, is not a visual medium. Yeah. So take it for what it's worth. But mm. I definitely like it. And, of course, uh, our show that follows uh, at uh, 8 o'clock also in full gear as well, but oh, I think they actually have. You'll be able to see it if you tune into their their podcast. So it'll definitely be interesting. But in uh, another another abbreviated radio program, the last one of the political season, as there is a political forum coming up at seven o'clock. That uh, candidates for the sixth Plymouth district, state rep Josh Cutler, and his Republican challenger. Kent Sweezy. Uh, So that's coming up at 7 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. If you are looking for video of that, that'll be brought to you by Whitman Hanson Community Access. That's the uh, the partner, the community partner that is uh, part of uh, the the forum. We've had many different uh, outlets that have joined in. uh, Pembroke, Town News, Impact TV, so in Hingham. Marshfield, so definitely uh, the last the last stop on the road is tonight. So uh, coming up in just a few moments, uh, he's already warming up in the bullpen. Uh, the gentleman, your gubernatorial candidate, uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate Jeff Deal will be joining us uh, by phone. We'll find out what uh, what he's up to. My understanding is is that they were out and about on the. Uh, take Freedom Back tour this weekend. We'll find out that. And going into the home stretch, the last seven days of the campaign, we'll get that, uh, those details from uh, Jeff in just a few moments. And then we have Paul Hurro. Paul is 
uh, the mayor in Attleboro, but he's also the Democratic challenger for Bristol County Sheriff. And he is going to be joining us and telling us why he has decided to run uh, against uh, the, the incumbent, Thomas Hutchinson, uh, who is the current sh- Bristol County Sheriff. So we'll get details from him. So that's that's all coming up in, in just a few moments. Hopefully you'll tune in as you're uh, in betwixt handing out candy t- candy to the, the little ghouls and goblins and whatever whatever else they're dressing up as these days. So I love this time of year. Rustling leaves, a crisp wind blowing, apple picking for homemade apple pie, a sunny day in a corn maze, a bonfire on a cool night. <sighs> Cigars and a half gallon of hot apple cider. Apple pie. We made it ourselves. This has nothing to do with Brennan's Smoke Shop, but everything to do with life. It's short, yet so sweet. Kind of like pumpkin spice coffee. It comes and goes like autumn wind. Brennan's Smoke Shop, Plymouth, Pembroke, Brockton, Wareham, Raynham, Taunton, Stoughton, New Bedford, Weymouth, Hudson, New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the very best smoke shop in Massachusetts. Customers must have a valid state of federal ID to enter the store. Message me on Facebook. Follow Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right. Our first guest is a former state representative serving the 7th Plymouth District. Now, Republican gubernatorial candidate with just a mere seven and a half days left. He joins us via the phone line. Mr. Jeff Deal. How are you, Jeff? Hey, happy Halloween, Kevin. Hey, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you as well. Before I get, we, we launch into conversation here, first thing I want to do is give a tip of the cap to you. Um, this weekend. I got, I got to meet your, your sister Lisa at a oh, cheer competition. She's a big, she's I'm a, ruining the story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In <laughs> short, my, my sister, anytime that, that Jeff is on the show, um, she's a fan of Jeff's. She's like, oh, I like hearing him. When I put the podcast up, she'll... She'll talk about, you know, all the little things and the intricacies that we talk about. And so she happened to be at this big chair competition in Bellingham. And she's like, she sent me a picture. She goes, I don't want to be a creep or anything, but Jeff Deal is two seats down. And I want to say hi to him, but I don't know. I go, do you want me to just say something to him? She's like, no, no, no. So, of course, I, I, I it fell on a deaf ear because I immediately sent a a quick text to, to Jeff. I'm like, hey, listen, my sister is super shy, but she's a big fan. And <laughs> you would like make her, you would make her weak just by turning around saying hi. It made my day just to, be, to know that uh, somebody wanted to meet me. That was really nice. I, I was happy to turn around and, t- and chat for a bit. And uh, it, it's so nice. I mean, again, you, you, your sister, you know, you've got a great family. So it, it was a pleasure. Thank well, you for alerting me to the fact that she was there. Let's, let's talk about uh, how did, before we get into the meat and potatoes of politics, uh, how did the competition go? Were you there because of Whitman Hanson, or was was your, your your youngest competing? What was going on? Why you were there? 
Yeah, that's right. My two daughters both played for or cheer for Whitman Hanson. My oldest uh, actually is now in college. She was a varsity cheer captain at one point, and now my youngest, uh, my junior Emily, is a cheer captain and uh, on the varsity team. So they uh, they won first place in their division uh, two nights ago. I guess it was. I'm losing track of time, but it was uh, fantastic. And you know, these kids in cheerleading, they. they they really put everything into it. It's a lot of gymnastics. There's a lot of, uh, you know, really, really great physical competition. And, and these girls are so amazing when you watch what they're doing. And there's co-ed as well. There's guys that cheer as well. And it's amazing to watch it. But I got to tell you, it's so, if you don't mind, Kevin, if I can weave this into politics slightly, yes. it's funny. There was actually a bill when I was a state representative to make cheerleading a sport in Massachusetts. It's still not technically considered a sport, which is really a shame because, and, and actually in some ways it's kind of dangerous because, you know, sometimes there's cheer comps without uh, required ambulances on site for what, you know, the MIAA sports that are out there. Um, and so sometimes you have an injury and, you know, it would be good to have a paramedic there, but because it's not a sport that's not required. So, you know, I'd love to, as governor, maybe try to finish that bill off and make it happen because it is a sport. And, and when these girls work so hard uh, each season to, to do the best they can, and then uh, we've got finals coming up. I mean, uh, the, the final um uh, what do you call it? Uh, championships are coming up in about two weeks or so, two or three weeks. So th- these kids are working hard. They've got all their grades to work on, and they've got the cheer stuff to do. But uh, yeah, in Bellingham, they did a great job. The the high school out in Bellingham was a great host to it all. I think next weekend is actually uh, Whitman Hanson the, the, is going to be hosting the regional div, uh, competition as well. So that's exciting. Excellent. Well, let, let's talk politics here uh, this weekend. My understanding was uh, the Take Freedom Back Tour. What was that all about? Yeah, so what we did was uh, last weekend and this weekend, we took a full day and uh, we basically went from point to point all across the state, different parts of the different cities and towns. Uh, Last weekend, we did central and western Massachusetts. This weekend, we did eastern Massachusetts. We started down in Sandwich in the morning. Uh, Steve Zaros, the uh, state rep down there, was was with me as well as some candidates for office. And uh, we were able to rally with a lot of people there. Then we headed over to Plymouth and had an exciting rally by Plymouth Rock. Uh, Jim Jim Gordon, who's running for state senate uh, in my neck of the woods, was also down there uh, able to talk to the crowd. So what we did was just a chance for me and uh, other candidates to get out there and, and speak with uh, a lot of supporters and volunteers and people. And just, you know, everybody was holding signs and cheering, and we had cars passing by and honking. But also the media covered the, the rally, so that was exciting. And uh, we ended up, uh, I think we went to Dedham, and then we went to uh, Lawrence, and we were up in Tinsboro, and ended up in Taunton last night. So that was a, that was a full, full day. Um, and we're going to do a few more tours like that before this is over. I should, if you don't mind, give a plug, though. Next Sunday is, the, is the, really the big one, our finale. It's going to be at Mechanics Hall in Worcester, and we're being headlined by Scott Brown and his band, The Diplomats. They will be playing as well. Um, but we'll have a lot of politicians there, and we'll have a lot of celebrities there. And it's going to be from, uh, I think, 4 to 6.30 at Mechanics Hall in Worcester. Uh, if anybody wants to come out there, it's going to be open to the public, and we're excited to you know, just do a big final rally before uh, Election Tuesday on uh, November 8th. That is fantastic. Now, does does Scott does he play an instrument or does he sing? Do we know? He does both. He is a uh, a double threat there. Actually, a triple threat when you throw his ability to run for office in. But uh, Scott is uh, he sings a little bit. He plays some guitar, some rocking guitar. And I, you know, I got to be honest. It's it, I'm jealous. I, I always wanted to play guitar. It's something I I, I 
thought it would be great to do. I bought a guitar back in college. I ne- still have it. I just never learned to play it. But Scott took it up at a late age and, and has been able to rock out with uh, people like che- the band Cheap Trick. And, you know, he's was the ambassador to New Zealand. I, I think he played some, some concerts over there. I, it's pretty cool to be Scott Brown, and I'm really pretty cool to be Jeff Deal being endorsed by Scott Brown, I can tell you that. You know, he's a guy who knows what it takes to win in Massachusetts in these tough elections, and he's endorsed me, and uh, he's out there pushing hard for me as well. And so, again, that, uh, that next Sunday, a week from today, or no, a week from, from yesterday, I'm losing track of time. It'll be next Sunday, and uh, we really look forward to seeing anybody who wants to come to that. Can we talk a, a little little bit about, you know, one of the things that each time that you've been on this radio show, the one, the top thing that you've said, that upon being elected, upon being sworn into office, the first thing that the, the, the Deal Allen uh, um, administration is going to do is rehire those, those workers who were fired because of uh, not getting COVID shots. Now, all of a sudden, I, I believe that Governor Baker had announced that he was rehiring some individuals. And I think uh, you have a, a state agency, uh, uh, MassDOT, is hot rehiring some individuals. How, do you, how does that make you feel, knowing that that's something that you have really been out there campaigning and saying, and now all of a sudden it's, it's quietly this is happening? Kevin, it's actually one of the main reasons I decided to run. Uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, I, a lot of businesses were shut down. A lot of people lost their jobs or, mm. or were, uh, you know, had to stay home. They were non-essential workers, and it really did a number on people's uh, psyche. And uh, young kids were away from school for a long time. It's really hurt our reading and math skills. So to me, I wanted to reopen, you know, as, as soon as we could. I know that everybody said follow the science, but what we started to see um, a portion of the way through the pandemic was that even if you got vaccinated or boosted, the uh, the fact is it really wasn't protecting you from you know, getting COVID. And so, you know, at some point I was really hoping that the state would bring back these workers. Instead, they doubled down and they were firing uh, state troopers even as late as like four months ago for not getting vaccinated when we knew full well that it really wasn't providing those protections. So not only did Charlie Baker just recently announce uh, about 50 people would be brought back, not just at DOT, but a few other agencies where they need people. And the state right now is really under, uh, understaffed. The MBTA, the reason the federal government has oversight is because of safety issues due to understaffing. Um, but I, I actually, my personal feeling is if you bring one person back, you bring everybody back. Why is one job more essential than the other? Uh, there's a lot of state workers we can use at the Department of Children and Families at, at, at all the different agencies, not just DOT or MBTA or state troopers, a lot of people we need back there. Um, so that's, that's one thing. The other vindication, though, truly, is the fact that the New York State Supreme Court also just ruled that uh, New York City has to bring back those workers that were fired because of not getting vaccinated. And the reason being is, uh, and, and the Supreme Court, of course, state Supreme Court followed the science on this and said, the vaccine has not provided the protections that you were basically fired for not getting. So therefore, you know, you should get your jobs back. It was false pretenses under which you were fired. I think that's the same standard that should apply here in Massachusetts. And again, as governor on day one, I will lift the vaccine requirements uh, and I will also rehire those workers. The other thing I want to assure parents of too, is the fact that the COVID-19 um, shot right now is being put in as a schedule scheduled immunization for uh, kids to go back into schools. I still feel like it's too soon to make that shot a required vaccine for uh, reentry into schools. So I will do, uh, block that as a requirement for now until we have time to further study the, uh, you know, that vaccine for children. I think a lot of parents are very nervous that it's untested. The other vaccines that kids get to go that 
in order to go back to school have been in place for decades. They've been fine-tuned and researched. This is really a very quick, very, very quick to try to add this back. And again, young kids were the least susceptible to COVID in the first place. I don't think it's necessary anyway. But again, if it's going to be scheduled, let's at least have some time to test it. Again, if you're just tuning in, we are speaking with uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate Jeff Deal. He is our guest, our first one uh, uh, on this abbreviated show. Uh, Paul Hero uh, will follow uh, after a, a brief break. I, I want to. Uh, there was a, a newsmaker late last week, and this was in regards to um, a group of migrants that were um, bust or brought into Kingston, Plymouth, and Methuen. Uh, this is a second such happening in as many weeks. What's your thought, you know, as somebody who could possibly possibly be uh, our next governor as of November 8th, uh, what is your thought on, on a situation like this and what action should the administration be taking, if any, in regards to these individuals being shipped up here to Massachusetts from another country? Yeah, and look, when I served as a state representative for eight years, this was not something new. We'd seen a lot of uh, people coming from countries as refugees, or they were coming on work visas, or they were coming on H-1B, again, work visas type situations. So we've seen a lot of people want to come into our country, but in this case, we've got a tremendously... um, tremendous humanitarian crisis at our southern border. It's been like that for several years now. And, you know, no matter who seems to be in office in the White House, there just doesn't seem to be the ability to stem the tide of people coming into our country to um, basically take advantage of, you know, uh, our what our country has to offer, and I understand that. But there has to be, if you have a welfare system in the United States, you have to have a secure border so that you know who is coming in, how many people are here, and if they're eligible to receive benefits. What we have now is just, uh, you know, an open border. That And uh, in Massachusetts, we have several cities or towns, six of them, that consider themselves sanctuary, in which case somebody can come to them and basically, um, you know, come to this state, come to the sanctuary city, and then they, they can't be um, deported in case you find out that they have a criminal record. So it creates a safety issue in Massachusetts, but a humanitarian issue. And having 107 people come to Kingston, from what I understand, the local officials were not alerted that they were coming. Um, the schools uh, aren't necessarily prepared to handle uh, the influx because there were young children as part of that group, uh, aren't necessarily ready to uh, be able to handle getting them into the system right away. So, you know, it'd be nice to know, uh, first of all, federally that they're coming. Secondly, uh, from the governor's office that they were being um, put into Kingston, I'm sure, as a local community. But what we need to do, I think, again, is take a look at the bigger picture and try to make sure that our immigration system is fixed. And when I was a legislator, I filed a bill to try to speed up immigration so people could become citizens sooner. I think that's the real solution to all these problems. And that way, you know, when people come, they're living above board, um, they're, they're paying in their taxes, but they're also going to be eligible for, for Social Security at the end. You know, right now they're working sometimes under the table or they're being payrolled, but they'll never be able to get that Social Security uh, to be able to retire here the right way. And sometimes they work under the table for half the rate twice the hours, that's really abusive of of their lives as well. So again, for everybody's sake, I really want to make sure our immigration system is fixed. That's a secure border, and that's trying to speed up the process of helping people become citizens. In the meantime, however, I do know that our state has the ability to help these people right now. We have an $8 billion surplus of our tax revenue. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can handle the 47 or so people that came to uh, I believe Martha's Vineyard, and I think uh, several of them, or most of them, ended up settling here in Massachusetts. And I think we can handle these folks. But, you know, again, we've got to have a much clearer uh, understanding of what the system is in which, how they're coming across, and then 
how they're getting into Massachusetts. And, and if they're being brought into a town, it's incumbent on government to give those towns a heads up and work with them and not just surprise them like what happened just this last week. So we got uh, just less than four minutes left. And so I want to give you a, a moment uh, to kind of touch upon what, what does the next week look like for you? What are you doing to get out there and, and talk to individuals? What, what are the last, you know, items of business that you do before you get ready for, you know, election day? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, uh, let me just tell you right away, uh, tomorrow night uh, up in Hingham, I'm going to be having an event at Tosca at 630. So, you know, if, if you're a South Shore resident and you want to take part in one of the last few campaign events that we're having um, and, and have the donation go to good use because we're running TV ads right now and every uh, dollar that we raise is now going into paying for those ads. We've, we've pretty much paid our bills for everything else. So uh, we want to make sure our message gets spread out far and wide. Um, again, I'm going out uh, in the community. I was down in Plymouth today handing out candy to kids uh, during the afternoon when the kids were walking around the city. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in my town of Whitman giving candy out now at uh, my in-laws' house. Um, so I, I'm at, trying to stay as accessible to the people as possible. And, of course, do media interviews on TV and radio um, throughout uh, this next weekend. Like I said, I'll be back out and about across the state doing final tours. And then, uh, it really, Election Day jumps right up. Uh, I have a tradition of going to Martin's, uh, the restaurant up in Abington, for breakfast. And then I uh, head over to vote, my wife and I. And um, then what we do is we're going to be uh, traveling around to the polling stations around the state. And we're going to end up at the, uh, the Boston Harbor Hotel in the late afternoon getting ready for the election results to come in. And uh, we're going to plan for what we hope will be an early night, but potentially could go into the early hours, kind of like Charlie Baker versus Martha Coakley um, eight years ago. So we're going to prepare for everything uh, over the next week. Um, a year and a half of, of hard campaign work is finally coming to the end, but I, I really hope it's just the beginning of four to eight years of giving Massachusetts even more of what I've, I've been trying to do, which is provide state services in a way that's transparent and, and also keeps an eye on your tax dollars and, and also allow Massachusetts to remain a leader in everything we are already leading in, education, uh, high-tech industries you know we're the world's most valuable fishing port and in, in, uh, in new bedford i mean we really lead in so many different ways and it's just such an honor to be uh, one of the finalists in the uh, contest to become the governor of massachusetts i'm certainly praying for the opportunity but uh, I, I look forward to finding out what the good people of our state decide come november 8th we've got uh, less than 30 seconds left but that's just enough time to let folks know how they can find <laughs> out more if they're, if they're just finding out about you or just deciding now, uh, how can they find out more about your campaign? Yep. My running mate, Leah Allen. So the website is actually dealallen.com, D-I-E-H-L-A-L-L-E-N.com. Plenty of videos and uh, information on my platform. You can actually still uh, buy some cool campaign swag. Um, you can make a donation, of course. That helps uh, in the overall thing. But mostly just find out about what uh, Jeff and uh, Leah <laughs> Jeff, I'm saying in the third person, what I stand for and what Leah stands for. And I think you'll really be pleased to know that we, we just care about, she has two children, I have two children, we both work hard for a living. We just want to make sure that other families have that same opportunity we've been able to have in our state. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you, hopefully uh, before, maybe uh, maybe we hear from you the, the eve of, because that's what we normally traditionally will do, the um, uh, Jared Valenzola and uh, the uh, county treasurer, uh, Tom O'Brien, and we uh, talk about races. So uh, you're invited to call in for a couple of moments if you want to on the eve. 
But uh, that's all the time we have uh, for this segment. Uh, we're going to step aside again. We're speaking with Jeff Deal. We'll come back. We'll talk with Paul Haro, Attleboro Mayor. Stay tuned. Is Monday Night Talk with your host Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. My name is Rayla Campbell. I'm running for Secretary of State of Massachusetts. You have a clear choice in November. I don't take money from unions or special interests, and I've never had a government job. I will bring transparency, a new face with fresh ideas to the office, as opposed to the person who feels entitled to the job and is out of touch with the everyday American. I'm from here. I love it here. I will work hard for you and protect you as a voter with no apologies. I look forward to your support in November. I'm Rayla Campbell. I'm running for Secretary of State of Massachusetts, and I approve this message. McGuigan's Pub is an upscale Irish pub with all the class of a Boston pub. The menu offers favorites like steak tips, fish and chips, meatloaf, as well as burgers, sandwiches, and pizza. The relaxed, comfortable atmosphere at McGuigan's makes it the perfect place to eat, drink, and socialize with family and friends. New hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 4 to close, Friday through Sunday, 11.30 to close. McGuigan's Pub is at 546 Washington Street in Whitman with the full menu available at McGuigan'sPub.com. Are you worried about your drinking? Or is someone else worried about your drinking? Alcoholics Anonymous has a solution. There is no shame in living with a disease called alcoholism. Regardless of your age, employment, or any other circumstances in your life, you deserve help from other individuals who understand what you are going through. Alcoholics Anonymous is here for you 24-7 at aa.org. Find online meetings at aaboston.org. Hi, my name is Alex Bizantin, and I'm running for Plymouth County Commissioner. I am the former chairman of the Abington Conservation Commission, former vice chairman of the Plymouth County Advisory Board, former Abington Water Commissioner, and now serving in my second term as Abington Selectman. If you would like to learn more about my candidacy, please visit my website at alexbazanton.org or follow me on Facebook. I am Alex Bazanton for Plymouth County Commissioner, and I approve this message. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. We return for more Monday Night Talk here on 959WATD. And uh, our next guest is a gentleman who is the mayor of Attleboro, but he also wants you to know he is a candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. We have Mr. Paul Haro, a mayor. Welcome to Monday Night Talk. This is kind of a first. I don't know. If, I, I think we've had your opponent on, but it was it's been a couple of years. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. For, so just right out of the gate, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you will. Sure. Well, uh, as you said, I'm currently the mayor of Attleboro, and I also used to be a state representative. Uh, but before I got into politics, I worked in jail and I worked in prison. I worked in the Philadelphia jail system. It's actually called prison system, but it was a county jail. And I was uh, director of research for the Massachusetts Department of Correction. 
So uh, between you know my time working in jail, working in prison, uh, being a manager of a city, a lot of people thought I had a good background to run for sheriff and to be the sheriff. And you know the incumbent has been there a long time. He's a very controversial figure. And, you know, it was, uh, I, I believe it's time for change. And I think a lot of other people do too. Let's just see if it's a majority of the people though. Let's, let's kind of dig down into your roots. Let's learn a little bit about Paul. One thing that kind of, when I was looking at your website, uh, is, uh, someone who starting a small business teaching Bruce Lee's, uh, uh, form of, of martial arts, Jeet Kune Do, uh, but also some of the things, your family, give a little bit of a background, if you will, on yourself, go a little deeper. Sure. So I was born in Taunton, but I never actually lived there. I grew up in Attleboro, and both my mom and dad owned uh, small businesses. Uh, they had drugstores. They're both pharmacists. Um, I graduated from Attleboro High School, and shortly after I graduated high school, I opened up my own martial arts studio because at the age of 18, I was certified as an instructor in Jeet Kune Do and Filipino Kali. Um, so I had that for about 14 years, and it was a part-time passion, uh, meaning it was a it was a passion of mine, but I did it part-time. Um, so during that time, I was also you know, I worked for the YMCA, I was going to college, uh, and I went out to school at the University of Southern California. And, um, you know, I basically worked with kids a lot, you know, worked at the Admiral YMCA. And then after that, I went to uh, work in Saudi Arabia, because, uh, you know, with 9-11, September 11, 2001, 15 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. So I wanted to go out to the country and learn about the people, religion, culture, language, and I wanted to learn about it for myself. Um, came back, worked for a national security think tank, and then I did a couple of master's degrees, criminology and international relations. Um, you know, I did criminology at the University of Pennsylvania, then international relations at the London School of Economics, and then I went to work in jail, then prison, went back for a third master's and my final master's, and that was at the Harvard Kennedy School, that was public administration. Then I ran for state rep and uh, now mayor, and, uh, you know, I basically, like I said, a lot of people asked me to run for sheriff, and I thought about it for a good long time, and you know, this, this, I felt compelled to run in this race. Do the voters understand what it is exactly the sheriff does or the sh- or anything about the sheriff's department? Well, that's part of my mission. And, you know, the, the incumbent sheriff, um, he likes to do a lot of things that are not, you know, he focuses a lot of time on things that are not central to the job. The main job of the sheriff is to run the county jail. A Supreme Judicial Court ruling uh, back in 2017, Gernrich, Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Gernrich, said that a sheriff is not a police officer. So that's, you know, it is law enforcement, but it's not a police officer. And that's the distinction. So it's, um, you know, the main job is to run the county jail. And you go to jail for a misdemeanor or you go there for a waiting trial. There's a couple of felonies that might go there, but generally you go there for a misdemeanor or a waiting trial. And, you know, so that's part of my job is to say, no, 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 it's, it's not a police officer job. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's mainly a corrections job. That's now as a politician, you can pursue any policy area you would like. You know, as mayor of Attleboro, I could pursue illegal immigration like the incumbent does. You know, but it, it's not really central to the job, though. You know, the, the um the job is, as I said, the main job is running the jail. And he's actually not doing a very good job. A lot of controversies. He likes to say, Paul, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on inside our jail. You've never been inside there. 
It's like, no, no, that's true. But we do have a free media that reports on what's going on and it's not impressive. So let's, let's talk about what are the key ingredients to a successful county jail and reducing recidivism? Okay. Really good question. So the, if you want to reduce recidivism, you have to have a baseline. And so that's something that hasn't been done in 25 years at this county jail. Uh, maybe even before that, he has no idea what his rate of recidivism is. He, and, and what's, and that's just a descriptive statistic. If we look at like an analytical statistic, looking at, um, you know, whether or not programs work, he has no idea. We are spending a lot of money on programs, drug treatment programs and anger management programs, and he has no idea if they work. And it's, you know, it's something that can and should be done. Um, it's something I have done in the past. And so it's just not a priority to him. And, and, you know, he actually mocks me and scorns me as saying, oh, I'm just a paper pusher because I was director of research with a staff of 14 or as a chief statistician in Philadelphia jail. Um, he says, oh, that's just a paper pusher. You're just support staff. With all due respect, that was more experience than you had when you became sheriff. And I also have more experience as a manager being a mayor of a, a city with a budget that is two and a half times bigger. So, you know, but basically the, the main you know thing we should be doing is the, the first thing is keeping uh, the public safe in terms of keeping people locked up who are supposed to be locked up. That's the first thing you do that in a humane manner where you're you know, respecting their rights, um, you know, as, as people who are incarcerated. That's number one. Number two, reduce recidivism. Uh, make sure that the programs we're offering actually work. And the incumbent has no idea. He says he has outputs. I'm sorry. He says he has outcomes but he's never released these things. He just says these things. And it's very frustrating because the public safety is dependent upon whether or not we're doing that. And in measuring programs is a science. It's something I have a skill set with. Um, he doesn't have that skill set, nor does he have even the inclination to do this. In fact, a lot of organizations don't want to measure their programs because they're afraid to show the public that what they're doing might not work. But it's okay if we show the public that things are not working if we follow up with this is what we're going to do about it. That's government at its finest. If you're just tuning in, we are speaking with uh, uh, Attleboro Mayor Paul Haro. He is a candidate for Bristol County Sheriff and kind of getting uh, kind of his his insight and, and vision. What are some of the things that you would probably look to change or modify if you are successful on November 8th? So the first thing I do is go in and establish standards with the staff. Um, the incumbent's been there for 25 years. Most of the people that are senior staff, he has put there. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of people who are loyal to him. And on day one, I have to establish standards. And the first most important standard is we have to be honest with each other. They have to be honest with me and I have to be honest with them. We're worthless to each other if we're not honest. You know, so that we have to be able to trust each other. That's number one. Number two, listen. I They have to listen to me, but I also have to listen to them. And uh, when, you know, I, I take over, you know, they have an institutional knowledge. They know how to run, you know, like uh, the day-to-day the -day operations in the jail system. Just like when I took over as mayor of Attleboro, I succeeded somebody who was um, there for 14 years 
and he put most of the department heads in. I didn't change any of the department heads. I, I you know, kept even though they were loyal to him and he put them there. Um, but I worked well with them because we we both had a common mission of to just do the job. And it's going to be the same thing here. We have a common mission, do the job. So the so that second thing about listening, though, is they have that institutional knowledge. But I also come in with a mandate if I'm elected. I'm elected to change things. You know, I'm elected to uh, implement a vision for the county jail. So they need to, you know, the staff would need to listen and help me achieve that uh, vision, that mandate that was imposed by the voters through the vote, through a form of a vote. But then I also have to listen to how we can make that happen, because, like I said, they know the institutional uh, they have the institutional knowledge. They know the institution. Our society deals with various things, homelessness, uh, you know, the recent opioid epidemic has become a crisis, drug addiction. Um, how are some of these things, if you, you take over the, uh, the Bristol County uh, Jail, are some of the programs that you'll be able to assist individuals who may be within those walls now, but if they're going to be released, you want to release them successfully where they're going to have they're going to have housing and they're going to have a way to succeed beyond the addiction. A really good question. And this goes to the question you just asked me before. What would I change? Mm. So we have to take people. Um, we don't get to uh, decide who comes to our walls and who doesn't. Right. Uh, you know, the, the courts send people. And I mean, like on a case by case basis, there might be, you know, um, a special situation where, you know, can you take this person? But generally, the courts say this is who you're taking. So we have a job to uh, basically address the care, custody, control and rehabilitation of the people that are there, regardless if they're awaiting trial or sentenced. So when it comes to people who have addiction issues or anger management issues, we can offer in jail programming, programming that will address those uh, risk factors for further reoffense upon release. So what we can and should do that, we have to address those risk factors. Um, but again, as I was saying before, we have to know whether or not our programs work. So that would be one of the things that would also change is to make sure we start measuring our programs. And it's, it can be done. You know, I've done it with myself in the past. And so that, you know, if we if our program's working, we're going to do more of it. If it's not working, we're going to reform it. Um, so that's while people are locked up. But then while they're locked up, we also have to keep in mind they are going to be released eventually. Um, so we have to focus on discharge planning, housing, health care and a job. And also an ID goes along, you know, so we, they need just a basic ID. So housing, health care and a job. We line people up with the um those three elements, those are the pillars of prisoner reentry before they're released. And we say, this is where you're going to sleep tonight after you were released. Maybe it's a friend's house. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a shelter. It's different for everybody. But this is where you go to sleep when you're released. When you wake up in the morning, this is who you go to see about a job. And this is who you call for health care. You know, we, have, we, we, we don't just have this in a vacuum. They've never heard of these people before. That's something we've set up before they're released. Um, so there's a lot of casework that goes along with that. And people say, well, Paul, how are you going to pay for all this? Well, we already have the money. We have a $60 million budget. Budgets reflect priorities. I mean, I have a $165 million budget as mayor. So budgets reflect priorities. And it's just about shuff shuffling around the money that we have within the existing budget. 
And, you know, this is something that can and should be done. It's, it's nothing revolutionary. This is just back, best practices that's going on, that are going on elsewhere in other places. They're just not going on here in Bristol County to any serious degree. You know, the incumbent talks about doing these things, but he's talking about it because it's re-election time. If you talk to the people coming out of the jail and a lot of the people who work there, as I have, they're going to tell you this stuff isn't going on. You know, it, it's just not. I mean, you know, so he says it's going on. I would just say prove it. Prove these things are going on. He doesn't. Prove you're reducing recidivism. He doesn't. Prove you're providing people with housing upon release. He doesn't prove it. You know, he, he just says it. But, you know, there's no metrics. There's no data that goes along with managing that jail that he offers. I would ask you this. I think one of the things that a lot of business owners will tell you is, is it's it's tougher and tougher to find people to fill to fill jobs. How does your relationship with said i mean you're in attleboro you have you're somebody who works with people and building relationships how do you feel that your relationship building will help to be able to assist not only the business owners in bristol county but also the inmates who are going to be looking to succeed and find employment that's a really good point you know there are help wanted signs everywhere and one of the reasons that uh inflation is uh high is because the demand has stayed the same but the uh, labor has decreased and that then pushes prices up. So we just don't have enough people working. It, as we often say, nobody wants to work. Mm-hmm. But we do have uh, a group of folks who are coming out of jail or prison who are going to need jobs. You know, they need to get that stake in conformity, you know, having, you know, conforming to societal standards and that'll help keep them out of trouble. Um, so, you know, have something that say, OK, I can earn a salary without selling drugs and this will keep, you know, I can earn this salary and it will keep me out of jail doing it this lawful way. So those types of relationships are really important. Um, I, for example, I say those types, that's very vague. But specifically, I helped uh, set up the Attleboro Reentry Center at 95 Pine Street. And this was a nonprofit that was doing work uh, through the St. Vincent de Paul Society. It's the Reentry Center. And they are an organization that helps inmates find housing, health care, and a job after they are released, whether it's from jail or prison, doesn't matter if they're Attleboro residents or not. Um, they, that's what they do. That's their mission. And we need a lot more partnerships like that throughout the county. Um, you know, they are the ones who can help set, you know, they, they're kind of the middle person, you know, so that's one way you can do it. We can operate through middlemen, you know, something like the Attleboro Reentry Center, or we, you know, the sheriff's office can use that bully pulpit to actually reach out and uh, foster those relationships with businesses throughout the county. Um, so that that's something that is just not being done to any serious degree, if at all. And I say if at all because I've heard it's just not being done. So, but if it's being done right now, it, it's it's just not nearly enough. Um, but that that's something that we uh, we use the bully pulpit as a sheriff for. So you can use the the sheriff runs the jail as the chief executive officer of the jail. It's an administrative position. But then you also have you know the 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 politician position of that too. And it's the same thing as being mayor. You're the chief executive of the city. You're an administrator. It's a professional job. But then you also have your political aspect of things, and you have that bully pulpit to advocate for things. And so you, you can use both of those uh, to help reduce recidivism. Well, Mayor, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, we're 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 up against it. Is we have to we have to step away. Uh, if I give you uh, uh, forty five seconds, 
anything you want to say to the folks who are tuned into this segment who will probably later listen to the podcast in regards to getting out and voting and remembering your name if they're in Bristol County when it comes to electing a sheriff? Yeah, well, I have experience working in jail. I worked in prison. I'm currently the mayor of Attleboro. I have a vision for change to improve the system and then move on. I don't want to be sheriff for life. I don't think that's healthy. I don't want to be mayor for life. Um, that's not healthy. You know, it, it, you need that change uh, in these executive political positions. So I would ask people to look at my website and also look at the incumbent's record of controversy and you know look to see have my record as mayor i don't have any lawsuits i don't have any unfair labor practices i've lost um the incumbent cannot say that he's very costly and expensive to the taxpayers um, i want to run a more modern professional jail system look to the future and not to the past mayor i want to thank you so much for, for being my guest and hopefully we can we can talk more uh, after the general election Sure. Thanks so much for having me on, Kevin. You got it. There he is, uh, Attleboro Mayor Paul Harrow. Uh, he is a candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. And folks, that's it. We're plumb out of time as we have, as uh, I told you at the beginning of the show, an abbreviated program because we have a political forum coming up at 7 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. Until next week at 6.15 p.m., have yourself a great night.